0: I want you to open your Bibles back to 2 Timothy where we left off. It was supposed to be where we left off, but last week I accidentally started with it, so we went from there. But uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we've been talking about being set apart. And why that matters, you know, last week we talked about we are set apart for Him. We're to be His possession. He wants us. Now, I know you might think there's no way anybody really wants me. Or if God really knew me, he wouldn't want me. But the truth is he knows you more than anyone knows you, including yourself. He knows you better and he still wants you. What a great God. What a great promise. And so we have been set apart. You know, and the Bible tells us over and over again, this is the, this is the scriptures, uh, uh, uh Repeating history over and over again is that God wants a people set apart for His purposes, for His possession. And so in the Old Testament, we have the Israelites. We have the Israelites that messed up over and over again. How many of you, when you read the story of the Israelites, you go, What a bunch of dummies! Like when they're marching through the the wilderness, and we go, Oh, can't, are they grumbling again after all they've seen? Because you have all their stories compressed. You can read them in 15 minutes. But 40 years, they've been walking through the wilderness after they first said no to God at the promised land. And for 40 years, they they built up some things. Not only that, but they haven't stopped seeing God as another version of their Egyptian slave masters. So they say in their tents, the Lord hates us and he brought us here to die. They never reconcile who God is to them. He says, these are my firstborn kids. They say, "He's, he's God, but... I don't think he likes us. So we go, wow, they're, they're so silly, all the things they say. And yet we live out the same reality. Right. So they, we see their story and we see how they wander from God and how God brings them back faithfully every time. We read the book of Judges and we see how God delivers them. And then they go back and they say, but I want to worship my neighbor's gods. We want to do what our neighbors do. We want to fit in in in, in these nations. We want to be like everybody else. And then we see see how they get what they want. And and then the other nations subdue them. And the other nations dominate them and harass them. And they cry out to the Lord and go, we were wrong. God, deliver us. And God sends a deliverer and sets them free again because he's just so good. And his mercies are new every morning. And thank God for that. And they go through this cycle over and over again. But what we do see is that God says about his people, you're supposed to be a light to all the other nations. You're not supposed to be like the other nations. You're supposed to be a light. They're supposed to look at you and see who I am. That's why you got to be different. That's why you got to be my people. And we talked about last week how Balaam prophesied over them and said, behold, I see a people that are set apart and cannot be reckoned among the other nations. They're different. They're different, and yet they never really wanted to be different. They want to be same. That's the temptation. It's a crazy temptation that God would say, you're set apart for me. You're my people. You're going to be different than all the other nations, and that we would go, well, I'd rather be like them because all the shows on Netflix are about them, and I want to be like that, and I want to laugh at that, and I want to feel that way. And God is saying, but don't you know there's something so much better for you? Don't you know I create, and, and, and the rest of the world is supposed to see something. Jesus said, now, so coming to the New Testament, the church is, is, is now this light, this salt, this light. God's not done with Israel, thank God. But he's brought us in. He's crafted, grafted us into the, to the branch. And then he says, you guys are supposed to be a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. Has anybody heard the word peculiar and thought, that's, that's what I want to be called, Peculiar. Peculiar. Is not in the list of adjectives that you want applied to you um, in your yearbook. You know, this is the, this year's most peculiar, Derek. Nobody says thank you, thank you. Peculiar is my specialty. That's why I wear this bow tie every day. You know, I mean, the kids that wanted to be peculiar were a little weird, weren't they? Can we get used to the idea that we might seem a little weird and embrace it? Now, don't be weird for the sake of being weird. We all know some weird for the sake of being weird people. But can we embrace that we're different because we're his? That, in fact, God created the whole world to be perfect. And he looked and he said, it's good. And the only thing that was lacking was that man was not meant to be alone. So he gave Adam and Eve, and these two lived together in his presence. And he said, this is good. In fact, it was good, and He rested. And in fact, what's happened is when mankind, when humanity fell, we fell so far that we no longer recognize good as good. And that's what the Bible says will happen, is that people will not see good as good. They'll see good as evil and evil as good. That's how twisted it's become. And so when the apostles were preaching the gospel in Jerusalem and the surrounding empire, then, then, then what their enemies said about them is Are these the men that have turned the world upside down? To them, these guys were turning the world upside down. But in reality, they were turning the world right side up again. So you get so disoriented. You ever been on like the Gravitron? You remember the Gravitron, the thing that spun around and you're up against the wall and you slide up? (laughs) And you get off and you don't know which way is up or a roller coaster that does all these inversions? Anybody like inverted roller coasters? Yeah, come on. That's a a very low number. I was not expecting that low of a number. Forget the fair rides. Fair rides are not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a legit, it's bolted to something, it doesn't go anywhere, inverted ride, and you, you get to a certain point, you've done so many flips, you don't know where the sky is anymore. Am I upside down right now? Maybe. I don't know. You see those jet pilots, they do those inversions and stuff like that, and, and one of the things they got to watch out for is, is losing the horizon, losing where up is and down is, because you just, you're flipping. Well, that's the way the world gets. When we've flipped around so much, we no longer recognize up is up, yeah. or we stop believing there isn't any true up. There's no real north. Right. What's your north? My north is different. That, that can't be right, but that's what we believe. So then what happens is, is that when a people become set apart to God, they don't, we're not set apart just for the sake of being different, we're set apart for the sake of being like him. The point isn't to be different from them, the point is to be like him, and in being like him, you have to choose, I'm okay with being different from everyone else. Once you embrace that, you could be like him. It's one of the first obstacles you got to get over is the fear of people. The Bible says the fear of people is a snare. It's a trap for you. As long as you fear them, now you say, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of any people. But if you adjust how you behave, what you say, and how you live based on other people's reaction based than, rather than what God says about you, rather than what God says, it's more about their opinion. Their opinion matters more than God's opinion. You found out who you fear. You don't fear God. You fear people. Does the, does the huddle change when, this, when people walk in the room? Who has the power to influence the way I say this? So we try to live our life saying God's in every conversation. God's in every room that I walk into. He walks in with me. So will I honor him in the way I behave, in the way I speak, in the way I love people, in the way I forgive people, in the way I stand Firm on the truth in the way I don't back down. You know, am I honoring God? Am I fearing the Lord or do I fear people? Like we said last week, there's one of the first things of being sanctified and set apart is that you'd be set apart for Him. That's what He wants is you're, you're set apart for Him. And now the next thing I want to talk to you about today is to be set apart for a purpose. You're set apart for Him and you're set apart for a purpose. Do you know that God has created us with core needs and core values that, that, that we, have, we kind of rediscover through the word? But if, if, you, can, if you can figure it out, you, you find out that, that most of our fears and our desires in life all spring from these needs. God created us to belong to him as His our father. We're his kids. We're supposed to belong to his family, so there is a need in us to belong. We're born with it. I need to belong to something or to someone. Now, when that's twisted, what happens is you're always trying to fit in with everybody else. Because your need is to belong to him, but, but you don't know that it's for him. And so you just need to belong. And so you, 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 when, when you need to belong, then your greatest fear is being rejected, being cast out. And in fact, the greatest punishment in the New Testament that Jesus talks about is that people would be cast out into the outer darkness. Being cast out of his presence was the worst thing that could happen because we were made to belong. And the other need that we have, this is not an exhaustive list, but the other need that we have is to be useful. We all want to be useful. We were created. And I know some people don't buy this because you think that work is God's punishment. But in, 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 when God created Adam, he gave him a job. He, it was just, this is before sin. This is before there's anything wrong. Uh, he gives him a job, take care of the garden. And Adam loved it. Don't you guys love when you feel useful? Be, that's a core thing. God created that. Even when you retire, you still want to feel useful. Not, I may not be working at this job that I worked at for 40 years, but I want to be useful. We worked across the street from a, from a retired farmer, and like I, I've told you guys before, he stood out there with a hose, just spot-watering every blade of grass that looked a little brown, and with nail, like, with just little clippers, not nail clippers, but little clippers clipping the sides, because he wanted to do something. Don't make me sit inside and watch TV all day. I want to do something. That's what God put in you to be useful. So you've been set apart for him and you've also been set apart so that you could be useful. Let's read this again in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we're going to just uh, start a little bit later than we did last week. In 2 Timothy 2:19 he says well I have it pulled up but I realize that some of you might not have gotten there so quick. So let me give you a chance to get there 2 Timothy 2:19. If you're looking for it and you're having trouble finding it, it's right after 1 Timothy. <laughs> Dad. Second right. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, this firm foundation of God stands, having this seal, that everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are vessels of wood and of earthenware or clay. And there are some to honor and some to dishonor. So, like we talked about last week, dishonor doesn't mean they're gross. We hate them. Dishonor just means they're not. They're, you don't bring them out for. You don't bring them out when guests are over. You don't use them. These are just like. You know, we all have those dishes that we only use when no one's around. The last, the, the stuff that you're like, ugh, this is really, it's really kind of not great. But but it'll work because I'm the only one here. You know, he says some are for honor and some for dishonor. Then he says, some of these, he says, if if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now stop there and and think about what he says. Because a lot of times we think how God uses us is sort of a lottery you either win or lose at the beginning of your life. Like either I'm going to be used mightily for God or a little bit. And I don't know why God picks some people to be used mightily and some people not. Not everybody's given the same gift. Not everybody has the same call in their life as far as, like, how you're supposed to walk out the call of God. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a singer. Not everybody's, you know, we know that. But I believe everybody's meant to be used mightily by God. Like, everyone. You may not have... The ministry that that person has or it may not look like that but everyone is meant to be used mightily and here's what he says if anyone now everyone is an anyone everyone fits into anyone are we right about that so you're part of that if anyone would cleanse themselves of these things what things the wickedness before that he's talked about just empty chatter he says if you'll cleanse yourself from that stuff God told you to get rid of and his word tells you is not of him, you're going to be useful. You are sanctified, set apart for him to be useful. Every single one of us wants to be useful. I think a lot of us, somehow it got in our heads that the people that God uses, they just were a kid and a bright light shone in their room, and they said, okay, God, I'll do that. Now, some people had those significant experiences when they're children. I get that. But they still had to make a choice. Yeah. You had to make a choice. And every single one of us, there's nobody left out of if anyone. Mm-hmm. Just like if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. Yeah. Or, or, or the same one, if, if anyone would, would, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We, we fit there. Yeah. I fit there. So he says, if anyone will cleanse himself from these things. They'll be a vessel for honor. Now, I mentioned this last week, but it bears repeating. Because I heard, I remember one guy came and he said, well, I don't want to be the the vessel that only comes out for special occasions. I want to be the one that's for everyday use. I don't want to be a gold and silver one. I want to be a common one that you can use every day. But that's not how this reads. In fact, what he says is, if you'll cleanse yourself, you'll be useful for every good work. Truth is, is God God wants to use his gold and silver all the time. Because he's got lots of it. And it doesn't decay. So he wants to use it all the time. He can use that for every occasion. Like he can use you for shoveling the sidewalk of the widow next door. And he can use you for sharing your testimony in front of thousands. If you will say, my life is set apart for you and for your purpose, God can use you for any of that stuff. Whereas, if you say, there's some stuff I just don't want to get rid of. There's some stuff I just don't want to do. I just don't want to live. I, I don't, that's not for me. That's for them, but it's not for me. And it's clear in his word. It's clear in, in, in what he's spoken. And you're still saying, no, well then, fine. But you're the one that's restrained yourself. God hasn't restrained you. Right? You're the one that's saying, this is as far as I want to go. This is as useful as I want to be. That's not on God. That's on me. If I say, well, no, I just don't, you know, I mean, I know that, that, that everybody who's taught me and raised me says that, you know, you, you want to be, you know, you want to preach with any sort of authority and power. Well, you need to have a good prayer life and you need to take time to pray. But you know what? I don't have time to pray. I got movies to watch. I got games to play. So I'd rather do that. Well, then that's me choosing. And don't be surprised if the sermon is like a glass of flat 7-up. Because I've, I've made the choice. God didn't make that choice. I made the choices as far as I want to go. God is infinite. You can go as deep into him as you're willing to go. You can go as far as you want to go. He's welcoming you. I I can't find a place in the scripture where where he goes, especially the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament, there are times where he goes, if you go past this point, you're going to die. So that's fair, right? You can't see that and live. There are times he says that. But in the New Testament, he goes, if you're washed in my blood, you keep coming in. But you have to make a choice. Everything... In your life starts with a choice you are not a puppet you're not a zombie you're not just being led around by fate you are a human with free will that's been given a choice and I choose to be set apart now listen here's the thing no choice you make without God has any power to it right I, I can choose to be a unicorn don't make me a unicorn I can choose. I could say tomorrow, you know what? I want to be an astronaut. I'm going to be an astronaut. Well, I've got no power to make that happen. I'm not going to be. Come on, guys. They're not going to pick me to be an astronaut, you know? I'm this close to 40. I, I'm, not that, I'm not in amazing shape. They're not going to pick me to be an astronaut. My, my science is not at that level. Like, there's so many reasons. And so I just can't decide one day this is what I'm going to do. But every choice you make that's been commanded by the Lord comes with the power to do it here's what the scripture says. Work out. He says, just as you've obeyed in my ab- presence, obey in my absence. And work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He doesn't say work for it. He says work it out. It's already there. You're saved. So work that out. That so great a salvation that you've received. Work it out with fear and trembling. It means take it seriously. This is a holy thing. This is an amazing thing. This is like Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant. Like this is that important, this salvation within you, except nobody's faces are going to be melted off. This is that big. So work it out with fear and trembling. Don't take it lightly. Take it seriously. Then he says, for it is God who is at work in you. It's God who's supplying the horsepower. See, when we talk about sanctification, we don't have the power to get it done. I don't. You don't. We'll fail over and over again, just like people without Jesus have failed to live righteously since the dawn of time, or at least the dawn of sin. But yet with Jesus, with his power, what he did on the cross for me, what he did in the resurrection, because in the cro- at the cross I died, my old self died, my sin died, my sin nature died. But in the resurrection I was given a new nature. I've been raised with Christ, a new creation, and I too can walk in newness of life. So what God is looking for is not me to supply the power, but me to supply my choice, my will. and Say, yes, Lord. It is God who is at work in you. And you'll find if you study the New Testament, there is this pattern over and over again. God gives a command and a promise, a promise and a command. He Tells you what to do, and then he tells you what Jesus did to make that possible. Or he tells you what Jesus did and says, therefore, because of this, let's do this. Never tells you to do something without telling you why it's because of Jesus that you can do that. I don't know. I know that every, I I was going to say I don't know about you, but I do know about you because every single person that God created was created with a need to be useful. Now, maybe you've shoved that away, or maybe that's kind of been co-opted by some other thing, but it belongs to God. Your energy belongs to God. The breath he put in your lungs, the, 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 the will that he gave you, it belongs to God. And he says here that if anyone would cleanse themselves, they'll be a vessel for honor sanctified, set apart, useful to the master. That's what I want to be is useful to the master. Now, the first thing you need to realize is that that's who he is. He's the master. So if I want to be useful to the master, I have to call him master lord. I'm not talking about the name you use for God because you can, he calls himself all these things. But I have to see him as the boss. He is not the blesser to my great ideas. He's the lord of my life. He says, go, I go. He says, stay, I stay. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that every day I've just, that's been easy. And I've always done that. No, the truth is, there is a struggle between my will and his will. And I'm coming to the place every day more and more where I'm I'm saying, I want to be like Jesus in the garden. Who says, not my will, but yours be done. A lot of Christians don't have that conversation because they don't think it's God's will unless it feels like their will. Do you know what I'm saying? I know we got real quiet and that's cool. But God is kind of like our will with some jazz on it, sparkles on it. You know, we kind of like, I, I don't feel like God's saying that, or I don't hear him saying Well, the truth is, have you been, are you willing to hear something that you disagree with? Because, I think we said this last week, but submission is not submission until you disagree. You can say you're submitted to God, but until you disagree, how do you know? Right? If I say you're in charge, if two of us go walking together, we go on a hike, and I say you're in charge, wherever you want to turn, we'll turn. You want to climb, we'll climb. You want to stop, we'll stop. You're, the, you're, the, you're in charge of this hike. I'm making you the master of the hike. Now, that's just a lot of pomp and circumstance for a hike, but just imagine that that's what we did. And we go hiking, and then I've said you're the master of the hike. You're the boss today. Everything you want to do, we do. And you go, okay, I want to go up here. Nah, I don't really want to go up there. (laughs) Okay, well, let's go straight. Go straight. That's why you're the boss. You say all the best things. Well, yeah, I agree with you when you agree with me. You ever do that to your kids? It's your birthday, son. We're going to go to whatever restaurant you want. McDonald's, whatever restaurant you want. Think as long as you need to. (laughs) I really want McDonald's. Don't take your time, bud. It's fine. It's your birthday. Dream big. McDonald's. I don't know why you're not answering me, but, you know, we can wait here as long. Or I'll pick something. Why don't I pick something? You know what? It's your birthday. You don't need to think. I'll pick it. Sure. You know, I can act like he's in charge. He's not in charge, birthday boy. I'm making that call. And that's the way we do with God. God, I want your will for my life. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then he goes, okay, here's what I want you to do. Hmm well, Lord, doesn't sound like you because you know what? I don't have peace right now. You don't have peace because you, you're fighting that battle in yourself because you don't want to do it. I don't have peace about that. I want you to give that person $100. Don't have peace about that. Woo! I have peace. I have real peace about buying that new coat that I really want. Feel peace about that. Feel real warm inside. (laughs) A lot of times what we think is peace is just we already agree with God. What we're missing are the times where you disagree and you have to let your will be formed to his will. And sometimes that is a painful process, but it is a good process. Joy says you'll be useful to the master. You'll be prepared for every good work. There'll not be one thing you're not qualified for that he wants you to do. Now flee from youthful lusts. Why does he call it youthful lusts? he just say these are things kids, teenagers struggle with? No, he's saying this is what you had to deal with before you got mature. Grow up. Flee from youthful lusts. Just like Joseph had to run out of the room. Get out of the room. Flee from youthful lusts. And then he says, says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. See, God never tells you what to run from without running to something. Don't just flee from something, pursue something. Here's what I pursue, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And don't do it alone. Do it with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And guys, I really, really hope that you can find those people here. I know you can find those people here. That's why you're here. Yeah, I know there's there's a special presence of God when people of God gather together. I know that it's so much different than just watching a screen. I know that. But I also know that there are people in this room that you need. And they're also calling on the Lord from a pure heart. And when you go together and you say, we're going to do this together, there's power in that. There's such a strong, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but just briefly, there is such a strong push and pull to be divided in these days. The only division the word makes acceptable is the division between unbelief and belief in Jesus. If you've let anything else divide you, repent of it and get back together with your, your, your brothers and sisters. Forgive and get back together with your brothers and sisters. It's belief and unbelief. Whatever else divides the world should not divide us. We can have different thoughts and opinions without being divided. You'll be united by what your, most, what your highest value is, is the thing that will unite you. And it will be the thing that divides you. So look at, look at who you're unwilling to associate with, and you'll find out what your values are, what your core values are. Your core values will tell you who you want to be around. So if your core value is Jesus, all those other things bow to saying, we're, we're, we're together. We are, we call Jesus Lord. We love him. We're pursuing him. You like the Oilers. I like these guys. They're like, whatever. I know there's a lot more serious stuff at stake. You don't let those divisions define you. So then he goes, with all those who call in the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels, and the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. How many of you would consider yourself a bondservant of God? Do you know the difference between a bondservant and a servant? A servant is an employee that can quit. A bondservant, you've pledged your life. You're there. Did you know every writer of the letters of the New Testament, so a big chunk of the New Testament that we have the Gospels, we have the Book of Acts, and then we have all these letters. Every writer of the letters of the New Testament at one point calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. It unites them all. You might say, well, I'm not, and and, and bondservant is a nice New American Standard Bible way of saying slave. Even when I say that, you cringe, right? Ooh, don't use that word. But it's the Greek word thulos. like you don't have a choice. Now here's the thing, God didn't make you that. In fact, God says, I don't call you slaves, I call you friends. I call you sons, I call you daughters. But we present our life to him as someone says, you're the boss, whatever you want from me, I want. And the Bible says in Philippians that Jesus lived as a bondservant. Paul said it, James said it, Jude said it. Peter said it. John said it. They all call themselves bondservants. In fact, the book of Revelation is not even written to to everybody out there. The book of Revelation is specifically addressed to the bondservants of Jesus Christ. That's why it's not for for tots. It's not for those that aren't serious about God. It's for those that have given their life to Jesus and say, this is my hope. And so if I want to be a bondservant, and you say, well, am I a bondservant or am I a child of God? You're both. And if you want to see what that looks like, just look at Jesus. Because here's what Jesus said. If you read the book of John, I would encourage you, read the book of John. And just notice how much Jesus talks about his father. He knew who he was. He knew who he belonged to. I'm a son. He's my father. I'm a son. He's my father. My father does this. My father, this is why I am. Me and my father are one. Then he says, whatever the father tells me to do, that's what I do. He says, my bread, my food in life is to do his will and to, do, to accomplish his work. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what he was here for. And so he lived as a son, and he lived as a servant of God. And both of those things can go together beautifully. A lot of our either or arguments are actually both and. They're meant to go together. I don't know how many times I've said, why are you making me argue against this? I believe that. Somebody say, well, you know what? I mean, like, you know, it's, it's really it's about grace and it's about truth. Which one? I'm like, no, it's not which one. They go together. Oh, it's, it's a, well, it's really about, you know, faith or action, faith or works. No, they go together. All these things go together. And it's when you separate them that you get into legalism. Or you get a lasciviousness, you get all these licentiousness, all these other things that you shouldn't be into. When they get, go together, there's harmony, there's perfection. Now, look at this with me in Titus chapter 2. So there's a pattern over and over that when God sets people apart for him, he sets them apart for a purpose. So I, I just want to put this out there. Remember what we started with. Anybody can be used by God. Whether or not you're useful for every good work depends on whether or not you choose and whether or not you're willing to say, I'm willing to come out and be separate. I'm willing to let God use me to cleanse myself of these things so that I can be useful to God. Look at this in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. Now, when in the world did the grace of God appear? This is, you can use the Sunday school easy answer. Jesus. Right? The default answer. Jesus. When Jesus appeared, he came full of grace and truth. Right? The grace of God appeared with Jesus. If you want to know what the grace of God looks like, it's Jesus. The grace of God has appeared. Here's what it does. Bring salvation to all humanity. All who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone who comes to God. Anyone who wants this. Then he says this. It instructs us, grace instructs us to deny ungodliness. It teaches us how to do it. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly. That means to have your head on right. Righteously. Thank God. That's his standard. That's his way. Not the world's standard. His standard. And godly. It looks like him in the present age. Now, I love the, those are four words that mean a lot. Because when Paul wrote this to Titus, the world was pretty messed up. The world was perverted. The world was evil. The world was full of people that wanted them dead. And you know what? They didn't want them dead saying, hee hee, we're evil, they're good, we hate them. No, they said, those Christians are evil. Those Christians are a menace to our society. Those Christians burned down Rome. All this slanderous stuff that they said about the Christians, they convinced was right because they had to. And in this present age, when there's all this perversion, there's all this wickedness, and there's all this evil being called good and good being called evil, he says, You can still live this way. You can live like this in the present age. Grace will teach you how. If you don't know how, grace will teach you. Now, what is grace? How much time do you have? But let me just quickly boil it down to this. Grace is God's ability in our weakness. It's his strength when we can't. It's God doing what you can't do. It's Jesus doing what you couldn't do. So when God's grace is at work in my life, I have his power. I have his strength. Even when I fall short, he's more than enough. And so grace, his power, his his goodness, his strength is going to teach me how I can deny ungodliness. It's going to teach me how I can deny worldly desires. It's going to teach me how to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in 2022. Then he goes on and he says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession." zealous for good deeds these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority don't let anyone disregard you listen to this jesus gave himself for you to buy you back from the consequences of all the things you've done to buy you back i'm talking about eternal consequences the death you you earned and to buy you back from the control it had over your life he bought you back from every lawless deed and he purified you for himself zealous for good deeds Notice this. When you let God purify you, you don't crave the ungodly deeds, the dead deeds, the, the old deeds that you were redeemed from, the lawless deeds. You crave, because I'm talking about zealous. If you think that Christianity is a bunch of people saying, I don't want to do this, but I know God wants me to do this. And in heaven, there's a reward. In heaven, there's a reward. That's why I do this. I hate this. That's why I do this, though. It's why I do this. If that's your version of Christianity, something's broken unplug it, plug it back in. What's broken here? Reset the system. You're going to burn out. You're going to get real. Either you are going to just give up or you're going to become really bitter and hate everybody else. And you'll be of no good, good to anybody. I'm doing righteous. Why aren't you? I'm, thank God I'm not like that person, right? You'll be a Pharisee in that fast. But if you want to do this in the power of God... Then realize I have been redeemed from every lawless deed, and I've been purified so I can belong to him, and so I'll be zealous, zealous. It means you're excited for it. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that, that occasionally we don't say, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it. That, there's a difference between talking to your flesh and going, you're tired, but you need to do this. Or, I know you don't feel like it, but you know God wants it. But I'm talking about a zeal that's inside of you. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but there's still that zeal in there. And Jesus said, the zeal of God has consumed me. You can't find me without that zeal for his house. I'm zealous for these good works because his nature is in me because I'm his. Everybody wants to belong. You belong to him. Everybody wants to be useful. He wants to use you. And that's why we're being set apart for him and for his purposes. Everybody needs a place and everybody needs a purpose. We need place and purpose. We crave place and purpose. We want to belong and we want to be useful. And the reason you crave it is because that's what you were created for. You're created to be like your father. That's why you have to belong before you can do anything for him. Because if you try to do things for him without him, you break everything. And you're just a bitter, hard person who's failing. But if you do it with them, you say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. I don't have the ability to deny this, but you you have that in me. And I don't have the ability to serve you in this way, but I know if you've called me, you'll anoint me and you'll equip me. And when you know that, you watch what God can do. It doesn't happen. Listen, in both of these things we've read, what happens? You have to let God do this work. He has to sanctify you. He has to purify you. And in fact, in 2 Timothy, he says, you make the decision. Cleanse yourself. I can't cleanse myself with my own power, but cleanse yourself in the power of God. Scripture says, if by the Spirit of God you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. There's a Holy Spirit gun you can point right at the deeds of the flesh. The things you crave that you don't want to crave the things the habits you haven't been able to break the cycles you seem stuck in get that spirit gun to it i can't beat this but he can i can't beat this i can't overcome this but he has already overcome it jesus overcome this already overcame this already it's already done i'm dead that's dead to me and i'm alive to god when you walk in that grace and you walk in that truth then something happens you're useful I'm convinced there are a bunch of people walking around North America in 2022 that God wants to use for a mighty work. But they can only be used for for very common, just normal stuff. They can't be used for the great things that God wants to do in their life because they refuse to be set apart. In fact, they fear being set apart. I don't want to be different. I want to fit in. I think there are churches... There are churches that are, that are so, that crave that, that to, to fit with the culture so much, they've probably missed out on the, the greater things that God wants them to walk in. And I can't tell you who that is, because I don't think God wants me to just be going around pointing it. I, all he wants us to do is say, Lord, don't, Lord, if, show us that in us. And, and set us free from it. Lord, I'd love to have a desire. Moving in this church where people say, we want to be like Jesus. We just want to be like Jesus. And nobody could lose Jesus in a crowd unless he wanted to be lost in the crowd. And there was a couple times he did that. But when he was out doing the work, remember even Peter said, you guys have all heard of Jesus from Nazareth. How he went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Every single one of you's heard of that because Jesus couldn't blend in. Finally, I want you to go with me uh, and let's wrap this part up in 2 Peter. Chapter 1. Okay, so I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Peter gets into a rhythm here when he's writing by the Holy Spirit. He gets into a really cool rhythm where he's naming this and this and this and this. And if you're anything like me, when a bunch of stuff is named really fast, you gloss over it and you go, all good things. You just put it in a category that's like, good things. (laughs) And today, I'm not going to spend two hours picking on every little thing. And so I'm going to ask you to take your Bible home, read it, and go, I'm going to study each and every one of those things. And if I spend a week... On the first two words, that's okay with me. Because you're going to get the juice out of this. My wife gave me a juicer for Christmas. Did you know how much juice is in celery? I know now. Like I'm getting all the juice out of a carrot, a carrot. I have all the juice out of a carrot. I I, I could never like grab a carrot and squeeze it and get anything out of it. This juicer gets everything out of it. I want you to be like that juicer and just, just let... Get every bit of juice out of there that you can get. Second Peter chapter one says to those who've received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Hallelujah! Do you want grace and peace be multiplied to you? God's not even into addition; He's into multiplication. In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, where does that grace and peace come from? The knowledge of Him. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything you need for this life and to be godly in this life has already been granted to you. The check's been written. It's already been approved. God's already done it. His divine power has done this. Then he says in in, in the next verse, we're, we're in 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Seeing that his divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. So thank God he didn't call you by your glory or your excellence, right? By his glory. For by these, by what? His power, his glory, his excellence by the true knowledge of him. By these he has granted to us. If it's granted to you, you have it. This isn't just for Billy Graham. This isn't just for this person or that person. It's for you. He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. I love that. You know, the guy that wrote that used to be just an uneducated fisherman. And now the Holy Spirit's using him to paint this beautiful picture with such depth and glory. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Isn't that great? Can you imagine, when you read the Bible, mean, this is really a side thought of a side thought, but can you imagine reading the Gospels that Peter would be writing like this? It's the power of the Spirit. Hey, take heart, anybody out there. <laughs> Some of you are like, wow, me too? So that by them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. What? Not, not just imitators, but partakers of divine nature. Oh, no, we're just humans. I'm only human. You're not only human. You are human, but you have become a partaker of the divine nature. Hey, we're only mammals. Mm -mm. You are a partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. What is lust? Lust is any desire that leads me to sin. That's why I desire my wife. That desire for my wife is never lust because it's not sinful. God put that good desire in me. Every lust is a perversion of something God created. God created marriage. But when that love becomes perverted, what does it become? Lust. God created all that silver and gold are his. But when you become greedy and you pursue that, what does it become? Greed. It's lust for money. All these things that God created in you, when you remove him from the equation and you take him off the top, It becomes bad. It's lust. It's idolatry. He says, we've escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So lust causes corruption. That's why after a while, you can no longer even see what direction is up because it's become so eroded and so corrupted. Society has become so corrupted. Now I love the people in society, but the system itself is so broken. It's unrecognizable from what God would have as his perfection and his law and his nature. And lust was the start of that. Lust is the end of it. In verse 5, he says, now for this very reason. Why? Because we've become partakers of the divine nature. Because we've, been, we've escaped and we've found him. Applying all diligence. That means hustle. That means work at this. Once again, just because just God wants it for you doesn't mean it's all automatic. Applying all diligence means everything I can do, I'm going to do. Applying all diligence In your faith, right? If you apply diligence without faith, it's just work. And in fact, the scripture says it's dead work. But if you say you have faith without any corresponding action, your faith is dead. Faith without works is dead, abiding alone. So here's what we need. Applying all diligence in your faith. That means I'm trusting God to do this in me, not me, him. Supply moral excellence. Anybody use the phrase moral excellence in the last year? This is why I'm saying you might need to study this, right? What's moral excellence? Excellence in this chapter is used to talk about God's nature, right? Peter says that we are a, a holy priesthood, or a royal priesthood, or a holy nation, a peculiar people to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So excellence is, is, is like him. So my morality is like God, not, like, not based on everybody else. It's based on his right and wrong moral excellence that means you stand apart your morality is different than the world's morality and Jesus said if your morality doesn't surpass their morality you're in trouble cuz their morality is pretty gross he says in your faith supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge what does that mean that means i start out not knowing how to please god i don't i start out not knowing what's right or what's wrong i just know i want to serve god but the more i get into his word The more I'm taught, the more I grow. I have knowledge. Okay, this is what love should look like. This is what following Jesus looks like. This is, oh, believers shouldn't do this. A believer should do this. Like, you you grow in knowledge, right? And in your knowledge, self-control, right? So when you learn, hey, a believer shouldn't do that, now I trust God that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control so I can go, I'm not going to do that. Even when I'm tempted, I'm not going to do that. Knowledge... So faith led to moral excellence. Diligence and faith led to moral excellence. Moral excellence led to knowledge, and knowledge got me to a place where I'm saying, through that self-control, I can do this. Then he says this, in your self-control, perseverance. So if you'll get a hold of self-control, you keep going. Keep going in it. Don't give up when it gets hard. Keep going. In your perseverance, here's what's going to happen. Godliness. The more you just say, this is the way God wants me to live, so I'm going to do it, godliness comes. In your godliness, brotherly kindness. Now, women, this includes you too. It's not talking about men and women here. It's talking about family love, phileo, the love of the family. God put that in you. And the minute you called him father, you got a bunch of brothers and sisters. And so this is why there's nobody on the planet that's so righteous that they're above everybody else. And, and, and John says this in 1 John. He says, if anybody tells you they know God and they don't love their brother, they're a liar. I've met people that say, I'm so, you know what? I spend so much time with God that the minute I have to be around people, I hate it. I just want to be me and God. Like, that's how much time, because I'm so close to God, and people are so, uh, uh. well, you know what? John says you're a liar. I don't know who you're spending time with. You may need to ask that question, who are you? Because if you were spending time with God, you'd be full of love. You, you would love the people that God loves. God loved us while we were still sinners. So people don't need to come up to your level for you to love them. You need to come up to God's level so you can love them. Then he says, in your godliness, brotherly kindness. Put those two together. In your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, and everything good that God puts in your life is not supposed to stay the same size, because dead things stay the same size, but living things grow. If I want a big building, I better build a big building. I can't build a small building and hope it grows to big. But if I plant a tree, it'll grow. Yeah. The things of the world are dead. They either start bi- They start big and they decay. But the things of God start as seeds and get bigger and bigger. So you should have more love this year than you had last year. More perseverance this year than you had last year. Why? Because the things of God are meant to grow in you. When things grow, they take up space. They actually push other things out. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, why does it matter if they're increasing? Because that proves it's alive. If the things of God are growing in your life, that means you're alive. And they're alive. If they're yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be useless and I don't want to be unfruitful. What do I want to be? Useful. Fruitful. Well, the Bible says Jesus said, I can't be fruitful unless I abide in Him. Scripture just said, I can't be useful unless I choose to cleanse myself of some of these things that have been hanging on. The book of Hebrews says, if you want to run the race with endurance, then let go and lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him uh, endured the cross, despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of God. If I want to run fast, I want to run far, I need to let go of the things that have been keeping me back. Some are sin and some aren't even sin, but they're weighing me back, weighing me down. Sin, is sin. Weight might be specific to where you are in the race. You know, a rocket when it's blasts off to space, it's got boosters that lets go at a certain time. And then it's got another level of th- letting things go. Sometimes you'll get to a place in your spiritual life where you let something go that is perfectly fine for someone else, but not for you. Yeah. So you know what? You don't apply your standard to them. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about how to be holy without being holier than thou. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> But I want you to grab onto this. I want to be useful to God. And if you bought into the lie that that's somehow a shake of the dice when you're born, I want you to get rid of that and get onto the Bible definition. If anybody will take this step and by the grace of God and the power of God, say, I'm letting that go and I'm putting that off. I'm putting off the old self. I'm putting on the new self. You'll be useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And the Bible tells you you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that you may walk in them. There are things waiting for you that God's already prepared, but they're not automatic. Make a choice today. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, my life is yours. My mind is yours. My body is yours. Everything, my money is yours. My kids are yours. My Even my pets are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything I am is yours. Lord, use me. Watch what he does. Would you stand up with me? Thank you, Lord. You're so good. God, you're so good. Thank you for redeeming us. Lord, guys, can we just thank God for redeeming us? Can you just thank God for for his blood? Thank God you don't have to pay for your own sin. Thank God that you don't have to make yourself righteous. Thank God that you don't have to make yourself acceptable to God. That Jesus did it once and for all. That his blood is the thing that cleanses you and washes you. Thank God that you don't have to be righteous on your own. But his righteousness, like we sang earlier, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. That's my testimony. Lord, we give our lives to you. Friends, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what? Uh, There's a step God's been calling me to make and I've been holding back. And I've said, oh, I don't want to. No, 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 no. Lord, uh, maybe somebody else. But you know God's been calling you further and deeper. And in fact, one of the great temptations is to look at other people and think that you should grade on a curve. Well, it's fine for them. Why not for me? It's, It's okay there. You know what? Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's your standard. Run towards Him. He'll show you. The Word of God is your standard. Set set that as your compass. That's your north. If that's you today, would you just lift your hands? And I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray a prayer of consecration consecration means the same as sanctification, it means to be set apart yesterday I was gripped by this verse, the Lord brought it to my mind just thinking about it how Moses had died and Joshua was called to lead the people of God into the promised land that they've been waiting for 40 years to go into, their fathers had said no do you know that God won't make you go to the promised land? Their father said no and they paid the price. But the new generation was ready to say yes. You know, maybe you're even saying, I'm, I'm living both of those stories in the same life. I'm like second generation me. <laughs> I'm ready to go into the thing I said no to before. What's interesting was the, the night before, the day before they went in, God told Joshua to tell the captains, Go amongst the people. Go campfire to campfire, tent to tent. Tell them to get ready. And he said, tell them, consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart. For tomorrow, I'm going to do wonders in your midst. I've talked to a lot of you who have been saying, like, I feel like something's coming. God's stirring something in us and in the church. And I know this year that God's going to do some great things. So I want you to hear this consecrate yourself for tomorrow i'll do wonders in your midst god's got wonders signs and wonders in your in your future so take this now moment to set yourself apart for him i set myself apart for your service lord now listen you couldn't set yourself apart unless god had already done it he set you apart he picked you he called you that's why the bible says make more make all the more sure if we were to keep reading in Second uh, Peter 1, he goes, "Therefore make all the more sure of your calling." And he tells you to be sure of it. Go back and remember your call. Remember what God did." And he says, "In, in, in, in these things, then you'll never stumble. You never stumble. You're useful to God." Make all the more certain of his calling and choosing you. That doesn't mean you question, did God really choose me? That means you go back and you say, I am so certain of it. That defines everything. I know he called me. I know he chose me. So I need to be more certain about that. That needs to be bigger in my mind. I need to think about that. If God didn't choose me to be his child, boy, I couldn't do this. But since he did, I can. And he says, those that don't do this are either blind or short-sighted having forgotten their former purification from sin. Well, I don't want to be blind or short-sighted, and I really don't want to forget that God purified me. So if He purified me, I can live this way. And if God's been calling you to the other side, and He's been calling you into the promised land, and you've come up to it two, three times and, and, and bounced off the wall, bounced off the ceiling, you've just gone that far and haven't gone further. I know what that's like. I've had that happen to me. We've had that happen in this church. We've gone just this far and then we hit that and then we bounce back. But today I want to tell you consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow I'll do wonders in your midst, God says. So, Lord, let it be done amongst us. We have our hands here, they're yours. Our mouth is yours. Our ears are yours, our eyes are yours. Heart is yours. Feet are yours. Use us, Jesus. We want to be useful to the Master.